0: and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to be talking about the subject that is on everybody's lips. Um, you know, and, and more importantly, the subject that businesses <coughs> are really trying to figure out what the heck they're going to do going forward from a pandemic, and that's remote working. Um, And so please join me in welcoming David Pachter to our program today. Welcome, David.
1: Thank you, Deb. Thank you for having me.
0: Great. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you, and then we will dive into this. So David Pachter is an author and entrepreneur who leads a portfolio of companies. He is the executive chairman and co-founder of Jump Crew and You Now. David's journey can best be described as from slacker to CEO. Growing up in New York, his first passion was playing basketball. An average athlete at best, it was playing basketball where he first learned the importance of finding and supporting each other more talented teammates and how teams collaborate, communicate and learn together to all contribute to make great teams. Well again David, welcome.
1: Thank you. I appreciate uh, I appreciate that really nice introduction. I'm excited to be here and talk a little bit about remote leadership and remote work today.
0: Great. Well, I always like for our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves. And how they got to where they are today. So take us from slacker to CEO.
1: <laughs> so from slacker, I was uh, I was in my 20s living on Venice Beach, working in the film and television business, mm-hmm. thinking that I was doing great though. Mm-hmm. I was working at Disney. I was working at Warner Brothers. I produced an independent film. And uh, there was a point in time uh, when I, I started getting up towards my, my late 20s when mm-hmm. I had uh, I had that moment where the light mm-hmm. bulb goes off. And I realized I wasn't doing as well as I thought I was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I started thinking about why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, I, uh, I had always, as you uh, so nicely <laughs> described, i had always been very focused on teams. So to the extent that I was, you know, I was working on a film production. I loved that. I loved mm-hmm. feeling a part of the team mm-hmm. uh, up until that <laughs> point in my career, though, what I was struggling with was uh, was patience with the uh, the ability to delay gratification. Mm-hmm. So I hopped around from job to job quite a bit. Um, which might ring uh, towards a little bit of what's happening today with the with the Great Resignation, and I got to a point in my career where I realized how well my friends were doing relative to where I was, uh, mm-hmm. and particularly relative to where I thought I was. It, it was it was earth shattering. So, I made a commitment um, to change careers, mm-hmm. and um, I I had met uh, a man playing basketball who just had. That kind of panache that leads you to want to trust him day one, mm-hmm. and he said, "Hey, uh, you know what? Want you come, you know, visit my clients with me and see if see if you like what my workday is like." Mm-hmm. Uh, and from one basketball game and one day uh, of walking around and visiting his clients, mm-hmm. I um, I trusted him, mm-hmm. and I moved three thousand miles back uh, back to New York from from Los Angeles, right. and uh, left my job at Warner Brothers as uh, an assistant producer. Uh, Working for John Peters and uh, took a job, entry level sales job, selling temporary services in Manhattan Mm -hmm. with a different mindset Mm -hmm. around being focused and determined uh, to be in the seat long enough to be successful and level up in the game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And that's really kind of where the start of the upward lift of my career started. I was about 28, 29 years old.
0: I love it. And clearly, that gentleman was the epitome of a great leader, you know, as you said, you trusted him right away. I mean, the, to, to just quit and pack up and move, that's phenomenal. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately it's also very rare.
1: You know, it, uh, it's rare, mm-hmm. but I think it's important for us to seek out. And I think it's an important message for us to, uh, to get out there because, mm-hmm. uh, trust mitigates risk. Right, right? right. And when we're talking about, you know, getting people from, uh, point a to point b wherever that is whether it's leveling up or or just you know getting them into a new game uh trust is a really important part of that and it's one of the hardest things to build when you're not sitting across the table from someone or in the lunchroom with someone
0: right you know and so that's really the essence of what remote working is is causing you know it's uh, it it, we've been in this what 21 by the time we're, we're recording this months. Um, you know, and, and obviously there were people that worked from home long before this. It's not that we didn't know, you know, th- th- this was not a new thing, but for many companies, obviously it was. And I think it is at least initially, one of the first things that I heard so many people say was, How do we trust? That our employees are going to get the work done when I'm not standing there staring over their shoulder. So talk about that because I think that really is one of the biggest things. Is you know and we're not that we're not talking about those micromanagers who really do want to stare over the shoulder. It's just the general people who are like, eh.
1: A lot of companies, I would I would venture to say, most companies didn't actually mm-hmm. trust that the work right. would get done. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the uh, the really interesting counterintuitive thing about the the pandemic is most companies didn't have a choice at that point, right?
0: Oh, yeah. And on Monday, you were at work, and on, uh, on Friday, you were at work, and Monday, you were home.
1: And many, like ours, like Jump Crew, which is a professional sales and marketing organization, uh, we have 300 folks in sales and marketing Providing uh, outsourced sales and and lead gen services Ooh, for great. very large very large companies, mm-hmm. we were one of those companies that didn't believe in remote work because we didn't believe that uh, that the the team element would translate. Uh, mm-hmm. we, d- we didn't believe that people would be focused and disciplined enough to stay on the cadence with the team and not uh, throw the team off. Right. And we were incredibly uh, surprised and impressed with uh, with our folks who only have an average of five or six years. Uh, work experience okay. with their um, their ability to really make things happen. I just got back from two days in Nashville, mm-hmm. and I couldn't be more fired up. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to host two in-office meetings, mm-hmm. um, one hybrid meeting, and one fully remote meeting, and I actually thought they were um, they were really telling uh, of of our ability to successfully um, continue on this path. And, uh, and work through a lot of the challenges that are just coming up today, because for a large part of the last 18 months or so, you know, you had, uh, it wasn't necessarily uh, an aspirationally motivated uh, success. There was a lot of desperation in the beginning. Right. You know, people mm-hmm. were working extraordinarily hard mm-hmm. uh, because they were afraid they were going to lose their jobs. Right. Uh, and And now we're in a new normal situation, mm-hmm. right? Where we need uh, we need to think about not only, you know, creating psychological safety so people don't feel they're going to lose their jobs if they don't, you know, work 10, 12, mm-hmm. 14 hours a day, uh, but, but an environment where they can thrive, where there's long-term mental health and stability. Uh, so we're not burning people out either. Um, and it's been, it's been just a, an incredible last six months where we've kind of normalized, we've created some norms and processes around this, and we're starting to lean into best practices to ensure that folks who are in office, can really make it happen and work mm-hmm. parallel and side by side with with remote teams, and uh, and actually look starting to look at some of the um, some of the weaknesses in, in the hybrid approach as well.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, you you mentioned that it took a while. I mean, you know, initially it took probably for for many companies a month. I mean, for one thing, they didn't have the the equipment and the capability for a lot of their employees to work from home. Um, you know, they they needed to make sure they had obviously computers. Um, phone systems, internet, I mean, all of those things. And so that took a while to to get all of that up to speed. But um, then it was, it was figuring out how the heck it works. Um, Because for some folks, obviously it depends on what they're doing. It gave them much more flexibility with their schedule. You know, it was kind of that as long as you get it done, we don't care what time of day you're doing it. But then others, especially if they were working with teams, you did have to have at least some hours where everybody overlapped. And 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 you're right. I think that did take a while for companies to truly figure out what that was going to be.
1: It very much breaks down on a team level. And it's why there's such a struggle in the hybrid approach where you have teams that are split between home and office. Because mm-hmm. it's a very different cadence when you're working mm-hmm. from home. Mm-hmm. And uh, the irony is, uh, at Jump Crew, we were leaning into a lot of uh, organizational development, organizational behavior mm-hmm. activities before, for the years right. before mm-hmm. Um and we didn't realize how valuable that they were; that those activities were going to be until we actually needed to push everyone uh, at home in the pandemic. And it's the reason uh, that I leaned into writing the book over the pandemic. N- not just because I was home locked in my apartment uh, in Lower Manhattan for mm-hmm. three or four months, but we um, we felt like we had a real head start because we had uh, put our teams together in in peer. Peer groups mm-hmm. uh, doing you know online um, relationship building and uh, and core uh, core team building activities for years before that because we had leaned in to creating a coaching culture uh, and we had impressed upon our our, our leadership uh, our leadership team our emerging leaders how important the reflective nature of leadership was as they were transitioning from individual contributors into the the jump crew uh, high growth team environment. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. You know, and I think that camaraderie, I always say it like the song says it right. Um, With teams, that is one of the things that people I think are struggling with the most, you know, because they're not physically together. They're not gathering at the coffee maker to say, hey, David, what'd you watch on TV last night? um you know and and i remember it's been a long time since i've been in corporate america but one of the things that i did um uh was we did those team building exercises we went off site we did the fall over backwards and everybody catches you type of of thing and and it built you know it comes back to what we were saying at the very start kind of that trust you know but it also you got to know them a little bit better all those things and so now how do we do that Remotely,
1: it takes a lot of intention. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I will tell you that uh, we've been we've been leaning into this for a while, and you know, for for younger companies, it is uh, it can seem like a distraction, but it's actually core to their business, right? Because at this point in, in the in the development cycle of of teams, particularly when you might have in-office teams, you might have remote teams, and you might be struggling with hybrid teams, your ability to build connection and and community out of your, out of your out your workplace, uh, is a really big deal. You know, folks at home, sometimes, you know, they're super lonely because they're living alone and working alone. Right. And, and sometimes they're super bombarded with stimuli because they have three kids in the house mm-hmm. and there's two people working in the house yeah, and
0: the dog and the cat and the TV's right, on so, and the laundry's going in. Mm-hmm.
1: So balancing between the two, you know, if you can bring a level of consistency and caring, uh, and understanding as a remote leader, that's what really inspired me to write Remote Leadership. Mm -hmm. I was really seeing the material difference uh, of what happens when people show up for other people, as opposed to for a company with a motto or a saying or a strong product. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. Let's talk about your book for for a moment. Go ahead and and hold it up for those who are watching on the video. It's called Remote Leadership, How to Accelerate Achievement and Create a Community in a work from home world. And that really is what what this is about is it's creating that community with people who who are not in the same place.
1: Thank you. I mean, there are really two transformations in leadership going on here. One is, um, you know, for 50 years, uh, Tom Peters, you know, uh, management by walking around principle Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was the gold standard. Right. You know, so there's there's two there's two problems there. One is, you know, for the most part, you can't in remote leadership manage by walking around, mm-hmm. uh, and and the second is, uh, looking over somebody's shoulder doesn't necessarily create an environment of psychological safety that uh, that makes someone want to be there.
2: Right. Uh,
1: and you know, in the era of remote work, when someone has a choice whether or not to make a couple more, more calls on behalf of the organization or to take another, uh, take a call from a recruiter or to take another job interview, you know, how they feel about your commitment to them is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Feelings become a really big part of success in team building.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so we lean into in um, in our, our peer forum groups, um, which are, we use a platform called Circles, which is just fabulous for this, mm-hmm. um, How how you as an individual contributor or you as a leader uh, what's the right way to demonstrate vulnerability in the workplace? Mm-hmm. Right? Can you, as a leader, lead a meeting? You know, by apologizing, it's mm-hmm. a very, very powerful thing. Right. But in the era of traditional management, it was wasn't what we. Right. Were it wouldn't to.
0: have been professional. It wouldn't yeah. have been. Um. Y- you know, you you like to think that the leader is invulnerable. You know, yeah. things like that.
1: So what we, what we've seen as part of this transformation is uh, just a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, uplift mm-hmm. of folks who otherwise might have been uh, looked past or passed over in the organization mm-hmm. uh, introverts because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. me with this voice, without having to stand up in front of a room of a hundred people and project and perform mm-hmm. on, on a zoom or Google Hangouts, I can get heard right. in front of 10, 20, 100, 300 people. Mm-hmm. And I might be more comfortable speaking in front of those three hundred people, right here, right now, than if I was in a giant auditorium. Right. Uh, so we, we're seeing different different folks get seats at the table,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and giving voice to a different style of of peak and star performer that we hadn't really heard from before. And it's inspiring the other folks mm-hmm. to similarly speak up and get their voices heard. It uh, is very much about creating a psychological safety mm-hmm. um, where people feel comfortable mm-hmm. speaking right.
0: up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and and uh, Zoom, you know, whatever platform you're using, where you've got you know the Brady Bunch heads, um, it, in in some ways, it's kind of disconcerting because if you have more people than your screen can show, you've got these random voices just kind of appearing, but it is much more intimate. I mean, you know, that is is kind of the thing, and 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 you're right. I think that just automatically kind of relaxes people. You know, when when we see what's going on in their house what their background is um you know i think we have kind of gotten past the point where you know we we were looking at somebody's unmade bed behind them um you know and, and things like that but it 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 does it it kind of opens everybody up to a different level of intimacy of kind of knowing a little bit more about them in in positive ways because you know we are seeing you know, like the, the pictures on the walls of their, ki- we might see their kids, um, yeah. you know, all of those things. And and I think that's, that is, has been a very interesting part of all of this, where, you know, we are just able to kind of connect with people on a totally different way.
1: Um, without a doubt. A- and the pace of the meetings tends to allow for a little more of that as well. Mm-hmm. It, one of the things that, uh, that distresses me sometimes is if you have an in-person meeting that starts at 10 o'clock, usually people roll in at 10 and they Mm -hmm. actually spend some time chatting with each other in the room. And then the meeting starts. Mm -hmm. What we found with, uh, with the online meetings is if they say they start at 10, they start at 10. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a year ago, I started showing up five minutes early
2: Mm -hmm.
1: to each one. Mm -hmm. And there's always a couple of people who are are jumping in early and it really lends itself to having more quality conversations. Mm -hmm. just, it's, it's been wonderful Mm -hmm. or starting meetings at 10 Mm five putting them in the calendar at five, and you know then you get more people to show up at 10.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, it's that that little the, you know we we get a lot from that little chit chat but it is also very disruptive when you're in in a big meeting, you know, when in in person.
1: It it, it can be um or it can be productive. The challenge is facilitating that meeting. Uh, I found it, it what I'm, what I'm seeing through observing and again, you know, I have this uh, this bird's eye seat uh mm-hmm. at jump crew where there are 350 people and um there are many meetings that I, I get invited to just as a participant to listen on and I'm mm-hmm. observing and uh what I'm seeing is how difficult it is to facilitate those meetings when they're uh half hybrid you know when they're hybrid meetings mm-hmm. when half the folks oh, yeah. mm-hmm. are remote and half the folks mm-hmm. it um the the split of um you can go with the best of intention but when your attention is split between mm-hmm. the screen and the room it's very very hard to create an optimal, uh, mm-hmm. an optimal meaning.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and just getting everybody's attention. You know, it's yeah. it's fairly easy to get their attention on one, but to try and get their attention on both is is difficult.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's really really challenging. Right. Um,
0: well, and from the speaker's point of view, um, you know, you have to be in a fixed place. Otherwise, the camera. You know, well, obviously it depends on where the camera is set up, but. You know, for many people, especially dynamic speakers, you know, we wander around, we talk, we wave, we gesture, we do all of those things. And, you know, if you're off camera, (laughs) that's not going to work very well.
1: Yeah. Uh, Facilitation of meetings is a very under-talked-about, really important skill today. Mm -hmm. Uh, The leadership component that that was very much about charisma and vision Mm -hmm. now takes a lot more dexterity. And and a lot a lot lighter touch, mm-hmm. and I think a lot about Google's Aristotle project, where uh, they they uh, a few years back they uh, really studied what created an optimal meeting, mm-hmm. and it was a meeting where everyone spoke in almost equal parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I've leaned into this, and it's just an amazing way because you you get everyone engaged mm-hmm. in the meeting. And what you find is that uh, listening, mm-hmm. the listening level in the room is much higher and people take away a lot more mm-hmm. than when one person's coming in and running and managing a meeting and speaking at people. Right.
0: Yeah. The, the speaking at people obviously has its purpose on occasion, but you know, it, it really is more about that collaboration, um, you know, and, and it's, and, and that is, that comes back to being the hard part when you're not in person, but you know, it, it is obviously doable. Um, you know, and, and like I said, we were doing things like this long before COVID hit. Um, you know, there were companies that, you know, just had people in remote locations. I mean, you know, I, when I was in corporate America, that was over 20 years ago and we used, we had companies around the world and we, we're on video teleconferences. I mean, you know, it was it was pretty. You know, you know, the <laughs> camera'd fall off. I mean, you know, all these various things. But we've, you know, it's this is not like this just started in March of 2020. Uh,
1: it's definitely not new,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but from an optimized standpoint, right? Oh, holy cow! Mm-hmm. We're talking about a different way to incorporate and integrate mm-hmm. remote work. Mm-hmm. So because it's not going away, right? Mm-hmm. I was just I was I was walking through Lower Manhattan this morning, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not a ghost town, mm-hmm. but it is really really quiet down there right now. The work's all getting done, mm-hmm. but how the work's getting done is changing, and and we're we're still in that transition zone, right? We're in yeah you know, we're into the second year of this, so mm-hmm. you know some of the trauma has dissipated, and now the most important thing that we can do as as leaders of teams of organizations. Is really think deeply about how we go from good to great again. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, right. You know, the book was written and it was a great book,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but it's being reinvented as we speak right. today. It's mm-hmm. a different cadence on a remote mm-hmm. team. Uh, we're finding that that uh, managers can be in the office mm-hmm. managing a remote team that might be optimal, mm-hmm. but a remote manager managing a remote team that's half uh, in the office and half at home. Is a very very challenging circumstance, and we're not finding that to be optimal whatsoever. Yeah, and I we're see. really struggling mm-hmm. with um, to a, to a certain degree teams that that are half in the office and and half uh, from home because the teams work at different cadences. Right. It's mm-hmm. almost like when you're facilitating, you know, a meeting that's half in the office and 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 half at home, and half the folks are at home. It's a very challenging way to split your mm-hmm. attention and to be intentional about bringing. Uh, the best practices to the right. group.
0: Yeah, you know it's and, and I think hybrid is is really going to be the biggest challenge, as, as you were saying, um, for a variety of reasons. You know the the uh, one of the things that I was talking with somebody about. She's been back in her office for quite a long time. She works for uh, University of Colorado, and so she needed to. You know they went back in, and she's in administration, so they were back in really fairly quickly. But she was home on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and in the office on Monday, Wednesday, Friday now, you know that that whole thing is just weird. I mean, if there's germs, you know, if you're yeah, um, but you know, she said invariably, wherever she was, what she needed was in the other location. um, you know, unless you pack up everything and move it every single time because there's only so much that you can put on the cloud. um, you know, and and so, you know, that was was a challenge. One of the big things that that I think we're hearing a lot of people talk about is that, in person, when you're with your manager or you know senior leadership, it is you might have a, a different way to impress them, and and you know you know is it going to lead to the people who are seeing them true face to face having an advantage when it comes to promotions, when it comes to, to things like that, as opposed to the people who are work from home.
1: So I, I think where you're going here and. Uh... I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna digress a little bit into talent acquisition and retention,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: right? Because uh, you know it's interesting. Uh, you know, at Jump Crew, um, there there is uh, there isn't a um, a technical patent on anything we do, mm-hmm. but we're able to hire uh, faster, qualitatively better. And deliver better results, or we wouldn't be in business for right, right. our, you know, seventy different client teams
2: mm-hmm.
1: that are uh, that are performing revenue channel activities on behalf of, of large companies selling media, selling software, uh, driving leads for uh, for automotive companies, for healthcare tech companies. Um, so, so why why do we exist? <laughs> so, there's an existential question here um, because the intention with which we brought. Um, to these activities, right, has allowed us to create career paths that make talent want to work for us more than they would want to work for our mm-hmm. clients. Right. Um, the the approach with which we've taken to engage them and build community has enabled us to retain them long enough to get them leveled up in the organization and into the game of uh, accelerating their own achievement and being the best stick that can be. So really, a lot of what we're trying to do here is model some of this. And, and one of the reasons, uh, primary motivations for writing the book was to share some of that because I think it's a really, really important message and it's transformational at some level and it's existential at another level. for For a younger company that doesn't have the, uh, the benefit of a of a legacy product with a, mm-hmm. a long tail of revenue on it. If they don't get their arms around this concept early, they'll never get there. Right. And for the larger company that wants to uh, remain at the forefront of what they're doing, um, they only really only have two choices, to find a company like Jump Crew that can do it, mm-hmm. or to figure out how to lean into the organizational change necessary uh, to adapt to the changes in the environment, to make the A players, those talented folks want to come to work and stay in their organization. And again, it's about how you create community. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about counterintuitively talking about and engaging in uh, conversations that are uncomfortable
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, at the workplace, mm-hmm. right? Allowing people to get to know you so that they trust you mm-hmm. and want to stay around uh, and believe that you're going you're gonna to look out for their best interests as well. Uh, and that's what a coaching culture is all about, right? It's not about it's not about solving someone's problems. It's about, it's about understanding where they're at and asking questions that allow them to solve the problem themselves. It's about creating creating a a greater level of agency in the folks on your team, mm-hmm. so that you as a leader and you as the manager can spend more time focused on other folks who aren't performing as well, who don't have that. It's not any longer, you know, we went through this era over the last, uh, you know, 10 or 15 years where Salesforce descended on us mm-hmm. uh, and and the amount of data that we can process as leaders has just, uh, it's crazy at every stage of the funnel. We can look at KPIs and quantitative metrics all day long, mm-hmm. right? So that initial group of leaders spent a lot of time looking at data and leaderboards, mm-hmm. right? And sharing call numbers and mm-hmm. talk time and mm-hmm. conversion metrics uh, with their team and really leaned into that being the primary focus of their roles as, as leaders. Uh, and it to a, to a large degree, for the folks on our teams, for a manager or a team lead or a director to really rely on that, it's kind of insulting. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, because me as an individual contributor, I, I know my metrics.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) what I need is help breaking through in areas where I have resistance. I don't need someone to tell me what I can see on my own dashboard. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that has, has a a lot more. There's a lot more of a a, a psychological bent to, to thinking about the behavioral changes that need uh, need to come into play Mm -hmm. from a technique perspective, right. From a process perspective, from a best practices perspective, more than it is a quantitative, uh, you know, f- kind of feedback of, oh, this this is how you perform today. I know how I'm performing. Right. I'm either feeling good about it or mm-hmm. I'm not.
0: And, and you know how the people around you are performing too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the biggest drawbacks from the remote side that uh, we're building bridges to all the time is not being, particularly in a professional sales organization, is not being able to hear the person next to you on the on the phone.
0: Ah, okay. Because mm-hmm.
1: uh, that that's a primary way to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Is right. To be able good to and
0: bad. Hear. You're like, ooh, that sounded bad.
1: <laughs> Here and listen to the, exactly. hear mm-hmm. and listen to the person on my left and the person on my right. So when you're talking about facilitating team meetings and and sharing best practices, that level of uh, of communication and collaboration really needs to be leaned into and thought deeply mm-hmm. about.
0: Right. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that that we're seeing the biggest shift in. Is we're going from the managers, who really were the people who, you know, the the counted the numbers, looked over your shoulder, to true leaders, um, you know, who are guiding people through their career. and And let's be honest, sometimes it's this isn't the place for you, but you know, it it is. You know, we're I, I think because we have to work harder at it might be where we're seeing okay here's where you might need a little bit of assistance or oh my gosh you were a rock star in doing this can you share that with others you know i think that's the that's the thing that we're we're trending more towards
1: again in the trend it's almost transformational whether you're an emerging leader or an in individual contributor mm-hmm. there was a point in time where you really relied on oh who's going to tell me what to do next mm-hmm. right. right and i think what we what we're seeing more is the folks who are excelling are recognizing that they're already the CEO of themselves mm-hmm. and they need to own this mm-hmm. responsibility mm-hmm. and be accountable mm-hmm. for seeking mm-hmm. out the answers to the questions that they have and right. asking better questions mm-hmm. and proactively engaging folks across the org. One of the things that we've done that has been extraordinarily successful is in our circles forums, We, uh, if it's a group of six or eight people, that are meeting for three or four sessions. Um, One of the primary reasons that we're doing this is so they can folks can meet folks on other teams Mm -hmm. and develop relationships across the org. So that when they're trying to solve a problem, when they're trying to uh, discover something, when uh, they feel comfortable reaching out Mm -hmm. and it's not always someone on their team that they're asking the question of. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it gives them the sense that the org isn't just the eight or 10 people on their team that there are eight or 10 people on eight or 10 different teams in three or four different divisions mm-hmm. of the company that they can reach out to, particularly if they're not in the office and they're never going to, you know, they're right. never going to have that level of interaction mm-hmm. across the team. And it's why for us, we we lean into uh, <laughs> all hands meetings, divisional mm-hmm. meetings, you know, the Monday morning standup, mm-hmm. uh, they're all intended to share knowledge and information. Mm-hmm. There isn't a direct correlation uh, between you know, my performance as an individual contributor and learning about what a team in a different sector with a different goal has, except, you know, our goal organizationally is not to create the best salesperson or the mm-hmm. best marketer in any one industry. You know, we know that, um, that uh, you know, clients don't want to buy from the best salesperson and, uh, you know, uh, your your team doesn't necessarily want to work with the best marketer. People want to work with the best business people, so where we have the opportunity to share that knowledge of what we're doing across 60 or 70 companies, uh, we're both creating uh, opportunities for leaders to emerge and and, and grow out of their their existing role and state in the organization, and uh, for the teams to benefit from from the sharing of of that knowledge and information. So it seems like a really, really costly thing for us to put a couple couple hundred people uh, on a Zoom for an hour hearing about things in different parts of the organization that doesn't necessarily impact them directly, but it's a really, really important part of, uh, you know, uh, counterintuitively both acquisition and retention of the folks that we need to stay. We want to stay and grow with the organization. So we're investing in that and we're leaning into stuff like that as well.
0: Well, and and it's, you know, kind of the term of, are they there for a career or for a job? Those are different.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a different, it's a different game plan. So I was just uh, reading about how Google onboarded 45,000 people, uh, excuse me, Amazon onboarded 45,000 people last week, Mm -hmm. and that Jeff Bezos' goal is to only have people stay two years. Now, I'm a realist. If people stay two years, I'm happy, but that's not my goal. Right. My my goal is to try- Yeah, because we
0: all know that getting new employees, remote or otherwise, that's a very expensive process.
1: It's a very expensive process, but I think you're really- (laughs) You're showing your cards as a short-term thinker if you're like I only want people for 2 years. Mm-hmm. It might be practical and I'm sure it's profitable for Jeff Bezos is no doubt. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> but, but our our goal organizationally is to attract like-minded people who are looking for an environment to accelerate achievement. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of uh, quote-unquote zombie jobs out there, mm-hmm. right? You can go, you know, punch punch the time card, you're there, you're looking mm-hmm. at your screen. Um you know, there are easier places to work than jump Mm -hmm. but regardless of of your culture or your values or your vision, if you attract a like-minded group of people that, uh, that can lean into connections that they have because they share those values and visions and it creates community and you Mm -hmm. create the space for that to happen. Right. So for me at this point in my career, I started, I started Drum crew with my partner, who's the CEO. Mm -hmm. And there were just the two of us. Uh, And we still have some folks from our original training class, which is fabulous. But Mm -hmm. beyond that, you know, when I walk around the office, when I when I jump on these Zooms, mm-hmm. if we have uh, 370 employees, I, I can point to 30 or 40, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully almost 50 people who I feel are co-founders of the organization at this point because mm-hmm. they're that invested in our right. success.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: know they're not going anywhere. I know they're part of the family.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and it's a, it's a really great feeling. And I think that our success in creating that level of commitment comes from making the investments that we're making. Mm-hmm. Which seem very expensive up front for a young company. We are only a, a five year old company,
0: but but, yeah, you know when when they see it as a career, they think of it very differently. um you know, and 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 building loyalty, you know in in any type of organization is difficult. Um, you know, and and I think now, even more so, because there's a lot of opportunities out there, you know, we you know all sorts of things. and and I think, We've seen a big trend. I think it's going to reverse itself a bit of people saying, "Ooh, I can start my own company." I think a lot of people thought that and are, you know, going to realize ah, that might be a little bit harder than I thought it was. I want to go back to work for somebody else. Um, but that, you know, that happens all the time. It's just I think we saw with everything, you know, in this compressed time frame because it was compressed, we saw things happen more quickly, more, you know, and and those things and are we getting back to normal you know i hate that when people say i can't wait for things to get back to normal that's never going to happen you know we're not going to you know look back and and all of a sudden it's going to be january of 2019 no i mean that's just not happening so you know we are i but as as we've been saying you know we're settling we're figuring these things out and you know it it is something that you know, as as we've been saying, we we absolutely have to figure it out so that you're developing those loyal employees. If that's your goal, I mean, you know, like you said, Bezos, eh, but you know, yeah. um, you know, and and but he also doesn't have, I'm assuming, a lot of, shall we say, more mature employees um, because he's looking for younger people. I mean, that's just going to be and and but he also has that thing of training them towards going on to something else. I mean, you know, that is part of their culture.
1: It is interesting. What I've seen in our hiring classes, we're hiring about 25 or 30 people a month right now. And uh, I've seen a more mature workforce coming in uh, over the last couple of years. I love it. uh, Mm -hmm. Through through the pandemic. On the Mm -hmm. flip side of that, often when I speak at events and I get introduced as an author and entrepreneur, I end up speaking with a lot of folks at earlier stages in their career um, who are really excited about starting their own business. Mm-hmm. And I. <laughs> I hard to
0: start a business.
1: <laughs> I counterintuitively am the one who's more often than not trying to explain how valuable it is to work for an organization for a more extended period of time if it's the right organization, mm-hmm. because it's much harder today to build a dynamic organization, I believe than it was 15 or 20 years right. ago. There are many more elements of mastery that you need to bring to the table, whether it's process or technology mm-hmm. or people or go-to-market fit. Um, you know, let alone the, the basics. You know, logistics, uh, mm-hmm. legal, finance, operations, uh, and I what I'm seeing is the uh, the founders who I have more confidence in in their ability to succeed are the ones who have a little more experience today Mm -hmm. uh, and are more prepared for the challenges and they're more aware of what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the biggest stumbling block uh, for the entrepreneurs that I see. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I participate in uh, the ERA accelerator uh, in the city and generally meeting, you know, 10 or 15 founders uh, at least twice a year here. And it's, uh, you know, and it's, it, I'm not saying it's impossible. Uh, there's a woman I met a few months ago. She had actually worked for me uh, years ago and uh, went and started her own business. And she was a superstar at 21, 22 years old. She's a superstar at you know 29, 30 years old. Uh, she was very aware of what she didn't know early on. But certainly for me, uh, as an early stage entrepreneur who flopped terribly at 27, 28 years old, I very much attribute it to. Uh, a level of hubris and and lack of awareness of what it was that i actually needed to get my arms around to be successful right
0: yeah i mean it's it's one thing to think hey i've i've i have this widget i have this service this whatever and and i can can you know build a business around it but to actually know how to build the business is you know is it's incredibly difficult even just from the basics of you know legally how do you set it up i mean all of those various things there's a reason why most businesses fail. You know, it's, it's what still over 50% within the first couple of years.
1: I would go one step beyond that, because if you can't get the right people in the right seats on the bus, yep. right, if you can't convey enough mastery and confidence to attract the best talent that you mm-hmm. can for those roles, mm-hmm. then your ability to succeed, your odds of success are, are so greatly diminished. It's not about you, right? It's about mm-hmm. that team because you're not going to be able to do it all.
0: Yeah, and and. If you're saying, hey, I've got this business that is brand new, and I want to hire you away from someplace where you've got benefits and a good salary and all those things, I mean, for one thing, you've got to be, again, a heck of a leader, a heck of a salesperson to even convince them to, to do that, and that's going to be rough going.
1: You also have to have the self-confidence to be really <laughs> conscious about needing to hire people that are uh, are better than right. you. hmm across the board. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah, we, we've talked about that a lot on this program is, you know, for some reason, a lot of times when people start a business, they think, I have to do it all and know it all. Well, no, you know, you 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 don't know, you know, you're probably not going to know business law, probably not going to, you know, know uh, financial, all of those various things. You're not going to know, unless you were one, sales, um, sure. you know, and, and all of those things. And so you have to bring in that team of people so that you can do what it is you wanted to do.
1: I mean, we have wonderful, wonderful clients who are with us two, three, four, five years at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, are, uh, they are they are their product and their operations experts who recognize that, you know, there was a lot more risk than reward mm-hmm. for them to go out and you know, hire a VP of sales or a VP mm-hmm. of marketing and think that they were going to be great at managing them and they were going to make the greatest hire out of the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they came to jump crew where they knew they could you know, there was a, level, a guaranteed mm-hmm. level of competency mm-hmm. that they were opting into day mm-hmm. one so it gives them much a much cleaner picture of what else might be going wrong mm-hmm. right but yeah. so may, maybe the go to market fit isn't what they thought maybe you know the product or the service uh, isn't necessarily kind of uh, in the zone of ready to uh, to scale that they thought it was. <laughs> because there's a level of consistency in the lead gen and the sales execution that it eliminates a risk variable and makes it easier for them to optimize their business.
0: Right. And and I think, you know, there a lot of people who decided, "Hey, I want to start my own business. I'm home. I've got all this extra time, blah blah blah." I think they really are figuring out, mm, you know, and and so but that brings us back to then they want to be with a company that has its act together, you know, just as simple as that is, um, and you know, and and whether it's remote, whether it's hybrid, whether it's all those combinations of, you know, and and, and then we unfortunately see the bad examples. Um, I'm assuming you saw earlier this week the the CEO of Better.com, who, you know, which I just have to laugh at the name, and then how this went so bad. You know, you were invited to a Zoom meeting, you went to the Zoom meeting, he says, hey, there's these issues, and, you know, we're going to have to lay people off, and if you are on this call, you are laid off. I mean, I saw today that his director of communications and his director of PR quit, and I thought, yeah.
1: There's no doubt that we were talking about that this week. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I mean, there were just so many things. This is this will be a study forever, you know, with with, you know, you know Harvard's going to talk about it in their MBA. I mean, all those various things, because there were so many things he did wrong. I mean, you know, he turned it back into I've cried about this. I don't care if you cried, I lost my job.
1: <laughs> you know? it's, you know, it's one of the keys to organizational learning and it's you know, it's what collaboration is about. Like, you know, if, if you have uh, a team of nine people, you know, you don't want all nine people to stumble over the same rock. If the first person stumbles, you want them to share. Uh, mm-hmm. So yes, <laughs> certainly with, well, with that story, there's nothing but good oh, takeaways of how yeah. not to do something.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and of course, then I'm thinking... So, you know, next week I get in and, you know, I'm, yes, you know, I'm still employed there. Wait, yay. But next week I get in an invite to a zoom. I'm thinking, Oh no. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and one, of mean, we, he, yeah. one of the
1: things we, one of the things we like fell to say, swoop.
0: he totally dis- destroyed yeah. the culture. Yeah. I mean, so,
1: so it's a difficult situation. Obviously there are better ways to manage it, mm-hmm. but, you know, so we, uh, you know, we certainly have, uh, have our fair share mm-hmm. Of, of turnover, we run a sales organization.
2: Right. Uh, I that believe happens.
1: It's materially less uh, than than the beta mm-hmm. of 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 all companies in their sales teams mm-hmm. uh, because we're acutely focused on sales success and mm-hmm. sales growth and sales kPIs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things we talk about is determination should never be a surprise. Right? People should know they're standing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, one of the things I love is, you know, being able to see and reflect on folks who leave, whether it's voluntary or involuntary, but stay in the community of folks because uh, mm-hmm. because we do develop relationships mm-hmm. and then often come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a uh, president of one of, our, one of our two divisions who uh, who we hired nine or 10 years ago. Uh, who left for a really interesting opportunity seven years ago and came back five years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I see that being repeated all across the organization. I think we need to be aware that uh, the company's, you know, your organization's growth curve may not always align mm-hmm. with your talent's growth curve, mm-hmm. uh, but the 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 intellectual capital and the value of that person, not just in the relationships, but knowing the way your organization works, uh, is a really really important thing. So maintaining that relationship so those folks can come come back. At the right time is a really big deal as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it is about that family. Um, you know, and 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 I don't care if you're a company of five or a company of, you know, fifty thousand. When is you know, as we were saying, when you feel valued, when you feel empowered, when you feel trusted, you know, even if you leave, you're still gonna, you know, have lunch with with some of those people on occasion. And and as you said, more importantly, at some point you might think, hey, I want to go back.
1: Yeah, There's that? And And, you know, I I think about the uh, the consulting model. I have a lot of friends who worked in management consulting, and they worked for uh, two, three, four, five years for their firm, and then they went to go to work for the client, one of the clients that they worked mm -hmm, at, mm -hmm. and and you know, they became the client as opposed Mm -hmm. to the vendor, right? And and those relationships they
0: they had such a good relationship, and they knew it was such a great company that they didn't didn't hesitate to say, "This is who we need to work
1: with." Exactly. Exactly.
0: You know, and and that is kind of one of those telling things, you know, if if, say you've been with, you know, say you've got a marketing firm and you go somewhere and they say, hey, you know, would you hire your your former company? (laughs) That's not a good thing. You know, and and obviously there are some reasons where, you know, but yeah, for the most part, it's like yeah, you know, um I would. they did good work um, you know, yeah. end, but but yeah, it's you know and, and I mentioned a word in there that that we haven't really talked about yet, and that is that empowerment. Um, you know and, and I think that's one of the harder things from remote to kind of get people to really know we do trust you, we value you, you know and and um, you know it's it, it comes back to leader versus manager. You know, when you feel empowered, you're not, or when your employees feel empowered, you aren't having to manage them. You know, you trust them. You know that they're going to get the job done.
1: It's both. You know, it, this the saying kind of slices both ways. Trust mm-hmm. mitigates risk, mm-hmm. and you have to take risk sometimes to trust someone, right? To discover that they're trustworthy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you know, and sometimes
0: work, it backfires. I mean, you know, let's absolutely, be honest, absolutely. But,
1: mm-hmm. um, you know, but you know, as uh, as Annie Dukes would have written in thinking in bets. You know, you're dealing in probabilities. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes you make a good bet
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it doesn't pan out, and sometimes you make a bet that's a little more risky. Right. And it works, mm-hmm. uh, but you don't know if you don't take the chance. Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Yeah, you know, and I remember at the you know start of the pandemic, I was talking with a manager who was kind of having those. Oh my God, you know, do I trust that they're going to do the work? Do I trust this? Do I trust that? And I said. Did you trust them when they were in the same office? Well, yes. I said, and, you know, and, and, or if they said, I'm like, okay, then you, then no, you know, if you didn't trust that you needed to supervise them, they had to be under your thumb, all those various things, then no, it's probably not going to happen now.
1: It's a different level of trust, right? Mm -hmm. You can see that someone's in the office when they're in the office,
0: right? Mm -hmm. They're not playing solitaire on their computer. Mm -hmm. But
1: when someone's not responding to your Slack, and it's ten fifteen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You're wondering, are they working today?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, if you see that, uh, you know, if, if you're the team lead and, and and you know your dashboard shows that this person didn't respond to your Slack and they haven't made any calls in the last half hour,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're wondering what you're paying right. that person for. So, mm-hmm. I think uh, the point I'm trying to make here is this level of transparency mm-hmm. has to go to another level. My right. my lunch. Mm-hmm. And, and my breaks, when I'm not available, they're on my schedule. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I'm talking to folks in the org, I am I am begging them to do the same mm-hmm. because we have great folks working remotely who do have to take their kids to the mm-hmm. doctor and mm-hmm. they do have to walk their dog. And that, that walk the dog time, mm-hmm. that's mental health time. I'm yeah, that's, it it's out.
0: good for them.
1: I'm <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But what I don't want to do is lead people to believe that I'm not working. Mm-hmm. So right. until I have that relationship, mm-hmm. until they know me really, really well, and maybe even after, there are mm-hmm. folks who I'm working with for 10 years and I still want them to know, hey, mm-hmm. you know, I have this appointment and I'm not mm-hmm. going to be responding to your Slack as professional right. courtesy right. Uh, to well, put that stuff on the And it's all about
0: the communication and expectations. I mean, you know, if, if you're the team leader and you say, okay, I, I, everybody has to be online between 10 and 2. Then, you know, and, and if you're not, then let us know, but then you might, you know, it's like, okay, then you get everything else done when you get it done. But you know, that, that is, it's about communicating, manage those expectations. And I think that was probably one of the hardest things for people remotely. They either crack down really hard and put the, I'm going to manage your keys, the program on, you know, that manages keystrokes, like, you know, or it was just get the work done. (laughs) <laughs> you and, and then they wondered a, why that didn't medium work in
1: there so mm-hmm. when we had a, <clears throat> excuse me we had a call center in manhattan people hung out in the office 12 hours a day mm-hmm. we didn't ask them to it was just i don't know it was a manhattan thing they had small apartments they had ah. high rent who knew mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're not looking for that
0: it was the social thing right?
1: mm-hmm. we're not looking for that like when we moved to nashville we were really clear to people with, with everyone that came on board we didn't think that created the healthiest environment mm-hmm. um we, we just wanted an eight-hour workday, mm-hmm. and we wanted 100% of those eight hours. Mm-hmm. Now, we're in this other situation where people are at home, mm-hmm. and some people are dying to give you solid eight hours, but they can't give it to you nine to five. Right.
0: Yeah, because they've to got to, the kids at home. They've got to, it comes the to dog, communication communication know, collaboration that they got so, during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: But if you have that understanding and openness and transparency so that the other eight people on the team you know don't feel like you're not working so they're not, right. so you you don't want to bring everyone down to a mm-hmm. lowest common denominator cuz mm-hmm. if they're not understanding how you work and it's not clearly communicated it can be very detrimental but then if you can nurture that relationship that person might be the most productive person on your team working those 8 hours but it's got to fit into a work cadence which is very right. challenging if uh, if that person is working on a team with in office folks cuz those mm-hmm. folks are working you know mm-hmm. 9 to 5 eight, you know eight, mm-hmm. you know 8 to 5 whatever it is
0: well and I think a lot of companies discovered that the 8 hour work week when somebody was home and away from the distractions that kind of take place in an office they got their work done more quickly. Now you know we we talked about you've got all the the home distractions. But you know and and, and that comes back to communication where people are saying, "You know what? I am getting my work done, but I'm only doing it in 6 hours." You know and and so I can sit here and look like I'm at work or you know, hey, you know, and, and um, so I think that's part of this whole adapting and learning is figuring those things
1: out. It's adapting, learning and learning who you're working with. Mm-hmm. So w- when I was selling, I was a uh, a low volume seller with a high conversion rate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The person next to me might've been equally productive, mm-hmm. you know, with higher volume and a lower conversion rate. Mm-hmm. But you have to get to know your folks, right.
2: mm-hmm.
1: so that you know the relationship can mm-hmm. can develop the right way, uh, and that takes a level of investment from from the team mm-hmm. lead side, from the manager side,
0: and and knowing their work styles and and all of those things. I mean, you know, somebody might actually be more productive at 10 p.m. than 100%. the people at 10 a.m. Um, but again, it comes back to communication to, to say, "Hey, David, you know, I'm I really am better if I work from 9 p.m. until 1 a.m." Yep. OK, but I need you to be online from 10 until noon. Yeah. OK, then, you know, everybody, everybody adapts.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of changing dynamics. I'm, I'm looking at um, uh, looking into the, uh, the level of trust or lack thereof that impacts uh, a new hire's decision into what job they took. Mm-hmm. And what I'm talking about is um, this narrow slice of folks. Who were the you know, I would say the top two uh, to five percent performers, who who have enough confidence to want more incentive comp and less base comp. Uh, so they're an important component. The other ninety five percent make up the bulk of everything, right? Mm-hmm. And and they're generally not looking at not not looking at things that way. Mm-hmm. So um, it's really important to develop that level of understanding, you know, when I'm I'm talking more about the talent acquisition and the recruitment process right now Mm -hmm. to, to have folks connect with people who might be on their team. Mm -hmm. Right. Because um, you're starting comp. If you're, if you're going into a career job is, it should not be what you're thinking about. Right. It -hmm. should be thinking about, where you, Where you can level up to in the organization, mm-hmm. and what your total comp and, and on target earnings could be mm-hmm. because you have to believe in yourself. right right. And, and again, that's the
0: the career as opposed yeah, to the job.
1: Yeah. Uh, and if not, you're gonna miss, you're not gonna see opportunities that that would have gotten you from point A to point B, a whole hell of a lot faster.
0: right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, David, you know this <laughs> is is so much fun and and we just scratched the surface on this, so I can't wait to to chat with you again. But you cover a lot of this in your book. And, and so I wanted, want to tell people, you know, it's a great resource, whether you're an employee or a manager. I mean, clearly it's written more for the leaders of, of companies, yeah. but it's it's also a great resource for employees because it gets you thinking differently to think, okay, you know, what if, if we do this? So again, it's called Remote Leadership, How to Accelerate Achievement and Create a Community in a Work-From-Home World, but tell people a little bit more about how they reach you and connect with you, and and, and the things that you provide.
1: Sure. I am uh, very available on LinkedIn, uh, David Pachter. Uh, they can get me through uh, through Jump Crew. I'm just David at Jump Crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, my website has a lot of up-to-date information, and uh, I'm usually pushing out a decent amount of, uh, of content just on this subject uh, every month for sure, I'm usually more often at davidpachter.com, and I'd love to hear from folks.
0: Mm-hmm. And what's your Podcast.
1: My podcast is Jump by Design. I did a couple of seasons of podcast on uh, on personal development and uh, accelerating achievement outside of your comfort zone, mm. and uh, they're available on Apple Podcasts as well. It was uh, it was a blast to do that, and I would love to talk to you on mine as well.
0: Oh, that'd be such fun! Such <laughs> fun. I always love it when I'm on the other side of the microphone. So <laughs> so yeah. Um, and I would love to continue this discussion with you because. It is something that's going to evolve, and I think it will be interesting in you know six months to a year to talk again to say okay, now what? What is our new normal this week?
1: <laughs> you know? So thank you so much, Deb. This was it was great to have this opportunity to uh, to reach your audience. I really appreciate appreciate you reaching out to me.
0: Well, I love it. It has been great, and and do you have any final thoughts for everyone?
1: So you know, we're in a transition zone. And I think there are a lot of challenges with, uh, with getting through. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important uh, for folks to think about moving through the transition zone as fast mm-hmm. as possible. When uh, we, we spoke a bunch today about um, risk and trust. Mm-hmm. So getting out of your comfort zone to get to the other side, whether you are an executive leader or an individual contributor, mm-hmm. uh, really depends on your willingness to take some risk. And I think this is one of those times where the risks that I'm talking about are uh, are about um, the risks of developing closer relationships with the people you work with, uh, demonstrating a level of vulnerability that we historically hadn't had to do before uh, and leaning into finding out sooner rather than later if there's enough psychological safety in your workplace for you to excel and be the person that, uh, that you want to be and be true to yourself uh, to level up wherever you're at.
0: Great. I love it. I love it. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having an absolutely fascinating discussion with David Pachter. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C Suite Network.